Hello and welcome to your favorite comic book YouTube channel, Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. And I'm Tom Scholey, author of I Am Stan. Today we're going to continue our journey through Frank Miller's Ronin, a seminal work in the early 80s, but one that landed kind of odd. So we're going to be going through issue by issue to see exactly how he lands this thing. And today is issue number four. Before we begin, I want to remind everybody that you can catch us at Baltimore Comic Con, September 8th, 9th, and 10th. It is a great show for comic book fans, so if you haven't been there before, come on out and make sure you wear your cartoonist kayfabe t-shirts and hats and fly these colors. I also want to remind everybody that we have a cartoonist kayfabe Patreon. There are three different levels that will give you access to our videos early, and at the King Kayfaber level, you'll get access to all of our videos first, including the recording session. You can sit in, add your comments as we talk about these comics, and if there's one that you want to add to your collection, you'll be the very first person tracking that one down before they disappear and before the prices go up. And with that out of the way, let's dive in. Frank Miller's Ronin Book 4. Um, man, I was just on board. This is some of the first Frank Miller that I ever found, as we've established in previous videos. And um, this is kind of an unprecedented comic at that time in terms of creator freedom, Miller having some creator ownership in this, production values off the chart. But the book kind of mixed reviews whenever it was published. So we're going to try to figure out what happened, and, and you what know, hits and what doesn't. At some point, you gotta you got to put the onus to a certain extent on the audience at times man uh, the the wednesday warrior is a fickle beast and they want the same stuff basically uh even when like that new 52 came out and shit there'd be so much rhetoric online but they still bought it it was like they were crying about having to buy a bunch of new canon or, or something like that so uh the onus is the 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 uh the audience is not with without blood on their hands. Very well said. Because this is a new kind of comic. It is. And, and a quick recap is, this is a future New York City that has fallen into decay. And our hero here on page one is a Ronin that has been transplanted from, I don't know, 800 years in the past to inhabit a body with cybernetic arms. Again, in this future high-tech world that has also fallen on hard times. And in issue three, it ends with the security agent from Aquarius Complex, the big science uh, company being pulled underground where we know there are like cannibalistic underground dwellers something threatening underground and our hero ronin follows her into the subterranean tunnels to uh hopefully save the day if possible her name is casey the security guard that has gone missing underground so with all that said we can't say that frank miller's blameless in, no. uh, <laughs> in some of the uh, chaos of this thing i have been a little underwhelmed by uh i love the first issue and issues two and three i was not as impressed with that's interesting to me because, like, I'm so, like, 100% on board with this thing from start to finish. And even the thing of, like, how it was received at the time. Like, I only learned about that in maybe the past five years. And to me, it's kind of, like, how it was received back then is kind of, like, beside the point. Like, who even ca cares, you know? It's like, what's this thing doing now, you know? It is a good point in that probably ahead of its time by a wide margin. Yeah. Because when it comes out, I think part of the, the when I say a bad reception is, this is an expensive book. This is high-end production. It's 48 pages. It's very atypical for a comic. And I don't think it's sold the way they had hoped it would sell. Mm -hmm. So part of it not landing is it's a financial hit, you know, from a, from a DC Comics production standpoint in, say, 1983 when this is first published. Since then, obviously, there have been tons of editions and collections and artist editions. I'm sure it's turned out well. 
but I think that's proof too of it being ahead of its time. Audiences were sort of like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the ahead of the time. It's just like in terms of the merits of the work. You know, it's like the work itself. Is right. The, you know. Yeah, yeah. Context is not invalid. Uh, what the, some of the other books that were out at the time, like it, I mean, you would have raw with it with a um Mun jose muñoz artwork that would have a kind of similar effect uh but miller is certainly pulling from heavy metal definitely mobius in particular and you know a little goseki kojima but it seems like the further we get into this we're going further toward the european and moving away from in fact even the panel account right like that that is uh, far more than you get in your in typical manga, but you know that's a dark night. Yeah, it's, it's going to be dark night, and and you know we have these black panels, which uh, extremely economical if you're you know the guy who has to draw this stuff, but just so effective sure. in setting this scene. And then you're hearing all the voices. You only see Casey, and then once she makes that human contact with him, then you can start seeing him because now he's sort of you know a physical presence in the room where he was just a voice. Yeah, clearly that's kind of her point of view. And there's supposedly three of them in this darkness, but you yeah. see they've been stripped of clothing, at least Casey has, and it looks like uh, Johnson has. But the third guy, Simmons, we're not getting Simmons' hands. Uh -huh. You know, so you get that sense of like, whatever's going on down there is unpleasant. And he's doing kind of the Joker thing. And I like the sec the heh that's got the lines over it and how it, how it fades. Now, Jimmy, if we had uh, any reservations about like what is going on <laughs> with New York City there, uh, I think it's very clear that Aquarius is uh kind of taken over the city absolutely i'm trying to look on the uh the earlier issue Th this is very relevant too that's like gray goo yeah you you see it, it it's, it's it's usually the same camera angle because you see the water towers and stuff you right. could you could animate all these shots yeah totally i've seen it done i've seen it done as an animated gif for sure yeah i bet that's a really interesting animation because like one of the things we established with aquarius is it's it's living biocircuitry like it mm -hmm. repairs itself it grows itself it's kind of running its own show at this point this is ai very very early on yeah and this is like, and ai out of control this is uh it's nanotechnology too and this is the end game of nanotechnology it eventually will process everything on the planet earth and just turn it into gray goo there'll be a uniform gray goo that that we're human civilization used to be. Yeah, you can see whole buildings are being swallowed up. Var Varley's uh, color palette is getting way more subtle and nuanced as these issues are, are coming out too. Yeah, it is interesting to watch that development. Something that we will, uh, we'll, we'll be playing more and more of a role as we get towards the climax of this story. And now we're inside Aquarius. This is the scientist who developed this technology. This is the guy who runs and owns this equipment and he has been consumed by a demon that runs parallel with Ronan from the past. And he's straight up, you know, Caligula mm -hmm. or Caesar somebody yes, yeah. at this point with his nanotech uh, crown of thorns. They've been very cautious to not weaponize this until he was possessed by the demon. And now they've started making weapons, which in many ways, like, I feel like this is the most relevant Ronan yeah, has it's, been. It's, and he, yeah, very know, relevant. Like, we get very scary if you think of AI as applied to weapon technology today. That's kind of what we're dealing with in the story at this point. Miller, when he's in Aquarius, he is using that, like, like one rapidograph to give you that deadline and that hatching. And then using, like, circuitry as a form of hatching, too. Drawing yeah. all these, like, little circuits and circles and lines and stuff. Yeah, real shorthand for that circuitry, but why not? Like, what's biocircuitry look like in 1983? And then yeah. we get this great severe light source after all this kind of, you know, green. Which, if you 
remove the color, it's another one of those Sin City panels. Yeah. yeah. We should say, too, the guy who developed the technology here for Aquarius is Casey's husband. Yeah, last time we saw him, he was in Embrace, maybe fairly impotent, not, not giving her the goods uh, when they were in bed. And he is breaking down here. And this is the uh, the screen personification of Aquarius, uh, Virgo. Which was uh, copied in Will Smith's AI, or not AI, iRobot. They, they take the Virgo thing like one for one in there. This video is brought to you by the Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon. Uh, there are three levels of support at our Patreon, and the King Kayfabers get access to our live stream recording sessions uh, that make it possible to mitigate the kayfabe effect they also get the videos before anybody else so make sure uh, you uh, support the cartoonist kayfabe channel and get that early access ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make you're looking at a healthy sample of our bibliography right in front of you jimmy's next book is going to be street angel princess of poverty it's coming to you in november it's going to be a companion piece to street angel deadliest girl alive in that it collects all of the uh material that was published prior to the Image Comics release. Jimmy also has Hulk Grand Design out there in the wild. Limited copies available. Make sure you get your hands on that as soon as possible. And uh, the latest comic that Jimmy has right now, which is sold out, but he is he has promised to uh, reprint this thing. True Crime Funnies. Three nonfiction stories, including uh, one that has a little something to do with some wrestling. Hip Hop Family Tree Omnibus is coming to you in October, just in time for the holidays, collecting all four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree with 150 pages of additionals. Also for the holiday season is X-Men Grand Design Trilogy, which is going to include the out-of-print X-Men Grand Design works that I put together, about a 250-260 page trade paperback. Red Room is the current focus. Two trade paperbacks of Red Room are out there right now. The comic I'm putting out these days is Red Room Crypto Killers. It's going to be four issues total. Three issues are out right now. The centerpiece uh, for issue three, the backup feature, includes the first appearance of the characters that I'm using in my daily strip, which I'm serializing on my Patreon. Tom's in the house with us this round. He's got the hardcover I Am Stan coming to you sooner than later. I believe it comes out in September. We did a big video on this, and you guys showed up in a big, bad way and, and uh, started to do your pre-orders. Make sure you get your hands on this. This is a definitive documentary on Stan Lee. And uh, the paperback version of his Jack Kirby biography are com is coming out uh, sooner than later as well. Now that we're done paying the bills, back to the video. And, and this is them watching Aquarius, yeah. like, building itself, building weapons, and just really taking over its own destination, its own agency. Yeah, ri riding on these speeder bikes. Uh, uh, Return of the Jedi just came out, so... <clears throat> I wonder about this background and what he's doing there, how he's making mm -hmm. that visually. What is that? Makes you want to take a look at the artist edition again, which, by the way, we do have a uh, a video on. We took a look at the original artwork for, for all of Ronin. And you know what? I put it on the uh, kayfabe socials. I found a photo of Miller during Ronin time with Ronin pages all over his studio at Upstart Studios. It's a great photograph, man. That's super cool. Yeah, you have to imagine, like... It, those guys sharing studio space together, a bunch of creative, young, visionary artists, and then like one of your members starts turning out work <laughs> that looks like 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 this kind of stuff. It's so bombastic visually for what mm -hmm. comics were at that time. Because everybody in that studio, you had a Walt Simonson, Howard Chaikin, like these are iconoclastic creators who were going against the grain and who were their own artists to begin with. And you know Miller and Starlin, they they spent a lot of time at. At Marvel and, and they had a kind of a house style that like developed further 
this is where like this is the section of this issue that like blows my mind where this starts this is this like it blew my mind the first time i saw it still blows my mind like how do you do this and so we have like these colors that are like perfectly chosen to represent you know a sort of fire like mm -hmm. an actual fire these co the color choices right. are and then the application of shadow too it's sort of a chaotic but you can still see the color the the light source for the shadow and it's kind of like simulating the how what sort of a light source fire is how it does kind of move and undulate so it's yeah, not like they're uniform yeah it's just blows my mind yeah and it's it's uh it's an interesting piece of art this panel because if you isolate it say this section and i said who, who drew that you might say like ted mckeever right it feels a little divorced from what we know to be frank miller even even when it comes to Ronin, but once again, because of that flicker of that flame, you got these giant pools of black, which suggests some some uh, some groundbreaking mark making. We haven't seen these marks yet. This yeah. this in, in Ronin. There's so. a, this super is, cool. This is super heavy on like the future Sin City mm -hmm. art style. Yeah, giant thick brush marks for a lot of these shadows. And he really um, invented, like with, with Daredevil, invented his own language of like sewers with all those pipes. Yeah, and... yeah. This is a this is a Miller trope at this point. Like mm -hmm. to have the the Morlocks, yeah, and to have the hero invade, and 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 to have the damsel in distress, like w amongst those Morlocks. And we had made that big production about you know, give me your hand, give me your hand, and the one guy's not producing his hand. And after Ronan makes short work of these cannibals, he's kind of like looking, picks up a body part. And there's a hand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the hand that we've been talking about, which is, you know, pretty good for writing, I feel like. It's spread across yeah. a couple of pages, it ties back together, and it brings these two different parties ultimately together as the scene, you know, cross-cutting, but eventually we're going to run into each other. The rhythm gets so interesting, like, right around here. These, like, really kind of cinematic, like, storyboard almost moments, and then you're cutting into other stuff, and then you're cutting back and forth with the sort of Aquarius story it's, it's really it's, interesting and, and with this stuff it's it's lynn varley she's got work to do so she's giving you two different palettes but it still looks good as a whole you know but it's very clear when you see the hot colors that you're following the ronin and it does look like miller is just experimenting so much in terms of drawing he did these yeah. same kind of marks like with those chuds from from daredevil with it with yeah. like the with the oatmeal all over them mm -hmm. the, the going between like the darks and the lights not being clearly foreground or background or middle ground is pretty wild to me from a visual standpoint yeah and this is it's it's readable but it's it's kind of chaotic kind of messy but this is actually if you're gonna go messy this is kind of a good moment to do totally. that of these like zombies exactly and... plus you're underground with no real light source mm -hmm. you have a flame that's flickering and you have a lot of darkness so yeah. maybe we shouldn't know exactly what's going on everywhere <laughs> and again with the hands it's almost the motif throughout this whole issue so far and the hands taking over completely and, and blocking out the light. This is such an effective page turn. Like, hit it, and, and then, then it's sh almost like your pupils yes, hit, start to pinhole. We have our creator now is, like, under, kind of locked in. Mm -hmm. You know, like, uh, he's they're, they're a little bit worried about what he's doing, and he's still trying to talk to Virgo and, and get this under control and trying to figure out what exactly happened because yeah. things have gone off the rail from the beginning of issue one to this point, and so he's getting Virgo to, like, this is basically expositional recap so good for a new reader maybe good for us kind of makes sense within the story because he discounted the whole samurai ronin story in the beginning is like so what that's just weird made up stuff 
But at this point, something has definitely changed, and he's getting that whole story again. I think this figure drawing is is some of the yeah Mobius the, or something. Yeah, but but probably like the most elegant. You yeah. never think of the word elegant when you think of uh, Frank Miller. Yeah, the drapery and everything, and the pose. Yeah. The and um, Casey was like the Philip Marlowe detective of like the past few issues. Now he's the detective. He's like you know putting all the pieces together, getting his cigarette out. A very strange fashion choice for the shoes. A yeah. cross between slippers and flip-flops. Mm -hmm. Just the big toe. Uh, yeah, yeah the toe is what it holds for, it in, yeah. It looks like maybe two toes go in there. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a futuristic piece there. This drawing, when I, when I first got hold of this comic, this drawing was a revelation to me. Because, when you, you know, when you're a kid and you're drawing characters, like, you really aren't observing the human figure so much. So we all draw the legs going straight down. But to see this kind of S-curl of, of the body and how it's balanced, it's really the first time that I paid attention to that. Because when I saw this piece, I'm like, that feels like it's really standing. I was like reverse engineering that mm -hmm. figure. So like divorce from like the circuitry, all that shit, just the pose and the, the balance of it was very, very important to me as a kid. And of course, when, when you notice this stuff and then you adopt it in your own drawing, you take it too far and everybody mm -hmm. has scoliosis or something. <laughs> Yeah, you get some interaction here between the uh, the guy who's running it. And look, look at the printing compared to uh, the trade paperback. Yeah. It's like very dark, like on the neck and stuff. Yeah, it makes me wonder about that because if you if you pull in, let's look at three of them. Yeah, mine's <laughs> like the most recent printing of it. Yeah, you can see a lot of variation, and and I can't imagine that they're doctoring colors for this edition because it's very close. Yeah. I would guess this is just variation of printer. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so some of the black in in my version here is pretty weak compared to like my original issues. Yeah, yeah very saturated. We often uh, we've been talking throughout this about like when's Lynn Varley get to see printed pages that mm -hmm. then she can adjust, you know, and, and apply to the issues going forward. And at this point, issue four, I would guess she has seen some. Yeah, she never goes crazy with this comic. You know, that comes later. It's more about like having more colors at her disposal for this project than like doing noodly Linvarly stuff. And and Virgo's been like this bene benevolent figure like through the series up to this point. Now she's starting to show kind of a dark side. She puts this guy up to spying on his boss with the promise that he might get to be the new boss. You know? Yeah, and his name's Gibbons. Gibbons I, yeah. I think that's kind of curious. Like, is that a reference to Dave Gibbons? Were they friends in 83? It's, it's gotta be. I mean, you know, or peers at least. And so here's this, this uh, you know, shitbag recording this whole conversation we've been seeing going on. Which we believe, or at least the characters believe, is not being recorded. Yeah. Tough for them. And there's our demon stand-in. Pretty easy transition to to do the same pose and be like, this is actually who this guy is. Yeah, reinforcing it's that. It's been a while, I visual. think, since we've been reminded visually. We haven't that seen that demon, demon in a, at least an issue. And, and worth noting that uh, Frank Miller does still have a little stank of the Jim Shooter era when it comes to his writing. Like, the first time that in this issue that Ronin is mentioned, they explain what a Ronin is in, in the dialogue mm -hmm. bubble in the way that Jim Shooter would want you to do. That's happened every chapter up to now. Yes, and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's some DC editorial too. You know, you're putting out a strange book here, so they're probably trying to keep it in something they can sell. The idea of a Ronin was kind of like, we, we take it on face value now, but it was kind of like, okay, what is that? I, know, I might know what a samurai is. What's a Ronin? You know? Yeah. How about this for a two-page sequence without any words? Great Just sound effects yeah. here. It's a Dave Lapham uh, grid. Gets gets uh, you know into that nightmarish 
area, but we also see Casey fighting back against her captors, mm -hmm. so some agency on her part as well. First person point of view uh, shot. See, I say that because uh, it's close to my heart right now with some stuff I'm working on. Great stuff here. And here comes one of these zombies running out of the darkness. What's he running from? What's scarier than an underground cannibalistic human? Somebody with a sword who knows how to use it. Cuts him in half. Yeah, you get this the glint of the sword, this little red slash, and then the reveal of the hero as the the guy's getting split in half. It's just and amazing. Then, and then back into the darkness. I, I love the retreat, because like you see that so rarely in comics too, like something moving backward. In, like you could see a guy coming at you, but a guy moving back into the darkness. You know. And it makes me wonder if this entire five panels is a point of view shot, because yep. then we cut mm -hmm. to Casey clearly looking at this yep. action. So in a way, that's another one of those point of view shots. This reminds me also of the issue one manga layouts. The drawing style is very different than that, but I feel like maybe the concept layout wise is something that Miller's still trying to work through and incorporate. Right. Especially when Ronan's being really in like the samurai glory, at least in the action side of it. Yeah, this is like the 2001 HAL 9000 kind of stuff going up against the, the, the computer. and Yeah, exactly right. And no speeder bikes you're talking about, Tom, mm -hmm. earlier. Feels like that is clearly what we've got here. And we clearly have American flag yeah. influence straight from Howard Chaikin uh, with this sequence here. Also, he's get, achieving this depth with white zipatone dots hmm. on top of uh, his, his line art, which once again, we have an artist edition video Ferronin that we did where we really explore that original artwork and all the methods and materials that went into it So make sure you check that stuff out, but dude like it's it's shades of what's to come yeah. dude S Story wise, it's it's a cool development too because it's like the guy who they were spying on Died in the same accident that the guy who was doing the spying so like Virgo's like covering her tracks, you know She's doing like a Game of Thrones kind of thing of like killing the guy that was doing the spying for her, too and only identified by their dental fillings. I wonder what like the first incidence of that in like fiction was, because I feel like it is maybe like very a seventies, eighties thing. Yeah, it's, it's know, become very popular. <laughs> I, 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 I would bet you that that's uh, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, okay, interesting. All right, back underground, and now these cannibals are not sure. Love all this. Stuff. What's going on? Yeah, this is this is your action stuff. This is kind of like your Daredevil 2.0. If you're coming here as a fan mm -hmm. of Frank Miller's Daredevil, this is going to be uh, as close as you get to scratching that itch in terms of action. And yeah, how do you communicate a guy backing up and he's just communicating really well and into the darkness? And then what happens once he's in the darkness? You know, it's I'd so say go watch Glimmer Man. <laughs> how about that for a first person for you? Yeah, so great. Like just like how do you have the like he's he's in the zone. You know? Yeah, and, and he's using uh, he's, play, he's playing his hits, dude, where he's tossing that sword. We've seen mm -hmm. him do that one time. It's so great, too, because Casey knows what to do with it. It's like they, uh, they've been working together here. Yeah, you know, it's Daredevil without, and Electra. Without right. any uh, communi verbal communication, it's like now we've both got swords and we can cut these guys up from both sides. Superhero sex, man. Once again, you remove the, uh, the color. This is a full Sin City page. Yes, and it's really cool to go from this kind of lighted figure to the silhouettes. There's a lot of dark color added to that panel, but if you see that in black and white, it's pretty striking, the, the uh, black-white balance across the spread. I mean, this this is Lynn Varley. Like, mm -hmm. she, like mm -hmm. she has fully arrived with that piece, but, but for most of the rest of the book, we're just going to get 
her application of like kind of flat color. This is our 300 Linvar. Yeah, 300. exactly. You know, it's yeah. like something that we're going to see 15 years the, down the road. Yeah, the covers of Big Fat Kill and, and Beyond and stuff, you know, Yellow Bastard, all that stuff, for sure. Just interesting contrasting this with like the last time we saw this guy in this situation where it was so like light and colorful and now it's like dark. We're just like moving through such an interesting range. And it's early enough in their collaboration that Miller is using black for that because you can imagine that if you let this girl go full bore, like you just leave it open. You know, he, when he and Lynn do uh, that dirt, that Electra lives again, mm -hmm. it's all clear line and he's not really putting much blacks in there or anything, letting her do all the work. And we got the old technology. And, uh, you know, again, HAL 9000, like erasing parts of Virgo's memory with gunshots. Yeah, that tech subtext is, is pretty good in here. It's it's a weird bit because like I don't know thinking of sci-fi and Frank Miller and I don't know that he goes back to sci-fi yeah, very much. That's that's one of the reasons this is like one of my favorite Frank Millers is because like I love sci-fi and he very rarely touches it's like Lance Blast off or something. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, and that's not really that's know, yeah, that's goof. Yeah, it's like a goof, but um, Martha Washington you just never see these colors in a in a comic, certainly from this period. Yeah, for sure. You see him mirroring like page page layouts and stuff mm -hmm. across spreads. I think he's clearly working spread wise Absolutely. all throughout this book. Yeah, which probably was something novel and new compared to a monthly Marvel DC book that you have no control over where those ads are going. Can you go back just one real quick, man? One one of the things I like with these kinds of spreads is uh, you have your like introductory sequence and move you into it, and then you have your exit panel that that is full bleed mm -hmm. which creates a nice unit yeah. as a two-page spread and it's amazing to watch them opening and closing eyes mm -hmm. it's a detail that you just don't see here but yeah, you would have like subtleties. film editors talk about that at length yeah I wonder what miller's thinking with those moments this is great like just the way these read as animation mm -hmm. and then reading in with this guy and then reading as like now he's gotcha and right. so you know Got this like really scary re repeated image of this demon. Yeah, and it's almost that cartoony thing of like, no, no, yes. <laughs> imagine Bugs Bunny yelling back and forth with uh, Daffy Duck. Yeah, and once again, like that duotone board is shot on film because you could see the undeveloped lines mm -hmm. and stuff. So it's not reduced to black and white line reproduction. It's a really beautiful aesthetic and it's like, Ooh, let's see a whole comic like this. There's a lot of parts in this it, book. Yeah, and the way that you could tell also is like the black of the gutters is different from the black of like these panels. Like if you yeah. look really, really closely. That black in the gutters may be from the green. I'm so curious about all the stuff that they're doing. Right. Because mm -hmm. some of this stuff really is experimenting in ways that we may not even think about. You know, like let's print that black with the, with the yellow over top of it mm -hmm. to separate those two pieces. Right. So we were talking about superhero sex and so here's like an actual sex or an actual like love scene like actually in a comic you know which you couldn't have done in daredevil or something yeah i i feel like specifically the famous uh Starenko yes. Nick fury mm -hmm. sequence is at the front of his thoughts yeah same layout yeah especially in the beginning whenever we have our sword here the in sword. position because before it, it was put the gun in the holster right like yeah. that's the famous Starenko <laughs> yeah, story put like... the sword in the scabbard <laughs> and and but she's tensed possibly for combat possibly for war and then she relaxes the sword and now it's just which know. that's a move you know like you don't want to get grabbed too hard with with that fierce of a hand and just yeah close up and then we have like the gustav klimt uh reference 
great great final like all the final panels that these big still shots that they have at the end of each issue are just really great imagine the smells of those bodies dude like they're, <laughs> they're deep in the sewer man with uh your body fluids juicing all over the place Thanks, and this Ed. stuff i wasn't on the wall. thinking about that <laughs> yeah, some foul that, ass shit. well that's the benefit <laughs> that's why they haven't invented smell-o-vision they're getting like, get nobody COVID, wants it they're getting covid 2040 with that shit <laughs> and, and you know crossing this but yeah we got the swords crossed we got a sword in the scabbard a sword out of the scabbard and yeah, that's your end of uh, end of issue four. So we've kind of unified the two, I don't know, fighters, the two that are maybe the best hope against this uh, rogue demon in Aquarius. And and the threads, the various threads of the story kind of start to come together and we start to sort of set the stage for possibly questioning what we've seen up to this point. Uh, this is very steeped in that Mobius aesthetic. But I promise you, with book five, we're going to bring back some of that uh, Goseki Kojima kineticism that you see kind of right here. The, the frantic brush strokes hatching and, and shit like that. Like, we're going, to get, we're going to get a samurai romp. My favorite part so far has definitely been the mark making that Miller brings in. Even on this cover, you see the difference between like these fine lines. I think we call that screen door yeah. inking yeah. versus the inking behind him. And the eyebrows, still another piece of that uh, visual. So... It's been fun watching that part develop, for sure. Yeah, and he is just... This is such a necessary book for his career because he is just putting down so much stuff on the page that he never had the opportunity to before. He's able to see how it's reproduced and decide whether he wants to bring this or that back to the his future works. And he brings a smattering, you know? For he, sure. Feels like he's going fast as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 48 pages each. I think the schedule was supposed to be six weeks. I think it actually takes longer. Way longer, I Which think. makes me believe he is working as fast as he can. So if it's like, I got an idea how to do this scene, you put it down and keep rolling. There's a fun energy to that. Totally. Totally. Like right now, like I'm doing a daily strip. And if a life thing happens that day, you still got to get a strip done. So you have to figure your way around that. And it's it's a blast. I've, I've been watching a lot of interviews with Frank Miller lately, and one of the more recent ones, he just kind of says, I just make this shit up as I go, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that's beautiful. It is. Yeah, I agree. And it's something that we always don't, don't take into account when we're reading a book that's 40 years old and being like, let's really comb through this thing. Mm -hmm. The intentions may be completely different than how we're interpreting this four decades later. There, there, uh, we did the Alan Moore Masterclass, and he was talking about... Uh, setting things up and then letting the characters do their thing and he spoke about a couple comic pieces uh, he mentioned watchmen and, and he's like oh i don't think rorschach's gonna get out of this like that wasn't planned at the beginning he at a certain point that was just the logical conclusion that a maniac like that isn't going to be allowed to uh, survive this i think of a lot of uh like reading mangaka and and kind of their process and how there's a lot of stuff they sort of throw up in the air, spin some plates, and then some of them catch on and some don't. You know, yeah. and it's not carefully planned, but it is set up that we can follow this thread or that. Yeah, man. Uh, great. Uh, Neil Gaiman talks about, you know, th th throwing softballs up in the air. Hold, holds together really well thematically, given all of that. Like, th there are a lot of balls in the air in this, and it does, it, it rewards re reading. It, it, you know, all goes together really nicely. I, I, I meant to call attention to some of these uh, bits in previous uh, chapters and stuff. What is interesting is that almost all of the uh, comments are, they, they slightly hedge and don't say that, you know, it's great or anything. 
but they applaud the experimentation. So like when you really read these comments and these like pull quotes and stuff, it's never like this is mind blowing. This is a masterpiece. It's like he's got balls. He's got he's got a lot of nuts. I think ultimately that's the takeaway of this series. Like the legacy this series has on comics is that you know it's better paper, it's better production, it's not being held to the twenty or twenty-two page count. There's all this stuff that comes out of this that the entire time I'm reading comics is there. Before this comic, it's not there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's weird to think oh, forty-eight pages is some kind of breakthrough. Like we're gonna give Frank Miller credit for that. Well, it didn't exist before then. Right. So give credit to somebody. If he was the first guy to really make that a popular format, we've read a thousand books like that. So there was a lot of groundbreaking that did go on that other people then applied that kind of creative freedom or those lessons to, you know, the next step yeah. in evolving comics as an art form. And it's hard to put that in context whenever you come to this later. You know, I wasn't there in 1982 reading comics to be like, oh, seismic shift. But a lot of this stuff, I think that's probably the long term what this book does is just kicks down several doors what is if 250 were, were books 60 cents that's that sounds right at that yeah. time Maybe. so 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 we're talking four four x the price of a typical comic yeah that's at tough. least that's tough i might have been 50 cents the, the the ninja turtles eastman and laird and uh samurai jack probably benefited more from this comic than frank miller did you know financially it's I think, weird I think he made we some go, money we go, yeah, go sure. back and look at this and i feel like the turtles are what I think of with some of like yeah. this kind of cover. That's a turtles cover. That's a turtles right. cover. Yeah. Right, like, right, no, right. No, like, it is credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right, you guys good for this? Yeah. Let's do it. Kay Faber's like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell so that we can notify you when new videos are available. Uh, we are a daily YouTube channel, and we have covered more than a thousand videos right now. We've covered uh, the previous three chapters of Ronin. We did the artist edition, like I said, but uh, more than. I think 1,300 other comics we've talked about in the past, not to mention interviews, artist editions, things like this. So uh, make sure you give the channel a good search and see if we uh, covered your favorite topics because, uh, you know, can't, can't imagine everybody got a chance to see every video. We got some good stuff in there. The, kayfabe, the King Kayfabers on our Patre Patreon have access to our live stream recording sessions, which... Uh, gives them a leg up on the kayfabe effect whenever we're talking about a comic they see what we're dealing with uh, before anybody else they could go to ebay amazon their local comic shop and get it before anybody else pays for itself when it when it's the right comic ultimately the videos are brought to you by the books that we make and the hip-hop family tree omnibus is coming to you this christmas uh actually due to come out in mid-october it's going to be four collect all four volumes of the hip-hop family tree series that i've put out uh so far 150 pages of additionals and uh, a lot of artwork was created specifically for this book alone. So uh, make sure you get your hands on it. 10-year anniversary of Hip Hop Family Tree. 50th anniversary of Hip Hop as a Culture. Not the only holiday effort to come out. There's the X-Men Grand Design Trilogy trade paperback that is due out in November. It's going to collect all of my X-Men Grand Design work. And uh, some of those volumes are out of print to date. Red Room is the current comic that I'm working on. Crypto Killers is the new series, but there are two trade paperbacks, The Anti-Social Network and Trigger Warnings. But uh, the Crypto Killer stuff is going to be four issues. This third issue right here has this backup feature called Latchkey Kids, which is a proto version of my daily strip uh, that is now called uh, Switchblade Shorties. And uh, it's the first place you're going to get to read their adventures before I serialize those comics online. But I am uh, serializing these comics to the people on my own Patreon uh, as early adopters. Tom, what do you have? I have the 
soft cover reprint of Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. I have the all-new I Am Stan, a graphic biography of the legendary Stan Lee. And August 28th is Jack Kirby's 106th birthday. It is or was the final order cutoff for Jack Kirby's Star Warriors, The Adventures of Adam Star and the Solar Legion from Image Comics. Ask your local comics retailer to set aside a copy for you. You can pre-order my next book, Street Angel Princess of Poverty from Image Comics, will be out in November and will collect all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadly Girl Alive. This was out of print for almost a year, but it is back from Image as well. They'll make a nice set on your bookshelf. My latest comic, True Crime Funnies, three nonfiction comics uh, featured in here, including two wrestling stories. You can read this in digital form from jimrug.com or patreon.com slash jimrug, and a new print edition will be out this fall in time for the holidays. You can also pick up Hulk Grand Design before these are gone. They are sold out at the distribution level. Uh, hard to tell if they'll be reprinted or not. Probably not in time for Christmas if they are. So pick this one up if you haven't already before it is too late. Not the only way to support the channel. Jimmy, what are the other ways to, to handle that? You can subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, hats, stickers, and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. There you have it. Many ways to keep the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel coming to you on a daily basis. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy, and we'll be on our way. Read more comics.